Welcome to the Association of Insurance Compliance Professionals podcast. AICP serves the insurance compliance community by promoting relationships, exchanging information, and providing learning opportunities within a dynamic regulatory environment. You're listening to Special Events Insurance, coverage for those special events. Most of us have either planned or attended a special event such as a wedding, a baby shower, concert, conference, or fair. But did you know there is special insurance coverage for these events? Because these events are limited in time, scope, and variety, there is special insurance coverage available to insure them. Join your host, Sam Garrow, Senior Vice President of the Compliance Department at Philadelphia Insurance Companies, as he sits down with Dan Cotter, Attorney and Counselor at Howard & Howard Attorneys, PLLC, who also currently serves as the AICP's General Counsel, to discuss this type of insurance, how it is underwritten, how it has changed over the years, and why it may be needed to cover these events. This presentation is only intended to provide a general educational overview. The statements contained herein are not intended, nor should they be construed, to provide specific legal or regulatory guidance. The content of this presentation and any related discussion represent the views and perspectives of the speakers and do not in any way constitute official interpretations or opinions of their respective employers. Legal or regulatory counsel should always be consulted to review specific questions or issues of regulatory compliance. And now, here's your host, Sam Garrow. This is Sam Garrow, and I want to thank you for listening to our special events podcast. And uh, I want to welcome uh, Dan Cotter, an attorney with Howard & Howard, and together we're both going to discuss what this insurance is about and how you can get coverage under it. So, Dan, I guess I'll start out by asking you, how would you define special events insurance? And can you give us a few examples of what that insurance is supposed to do? Sure. Special events insurance, unlike a lot of policies that, you know, over the years, Sam, that listeners might see like comprehensive general liability that changed names. Special events insurance is really what it says. And it's designed for uh, things that aren't in the ordinary course of things. They're concerts and parades and things of that nature uh, designed to really protect the owner of the property oftentimes, but for third-party claims and incidents that occur normally. One of the things that I think, you know, in in this business interruption and COVID time that we probably many listeners are familiar with in, in the context of the business interruption for restaurants and other places, Sam, is that there is some cancellation coverage, event cancellation coverage. Uh, which might cover some of that. But typically, special events is not only designed for that kind of thing, for the things that don't occur. Uh, A few examples of of what it's supposed to do. The best example I I like to use is in the Chicago area. The forest preserves in our county, Cook County, offer permits for people to have picnics and graduations and barbecues and play soccer and all kinds of things in these beautiful spaces we have in the city. The process is is they have to get a special permit from the city or for the county to be able to, on a specific day, use those. And then a lot of people, when they do it for the first time, they make calls to friends like us that know about insurance and say, what the heck is this? I have to have special events insurance coverage. The park district or forest preserves is requiring that I have certain insurance in place because I'm having some liquor there, or I'm having a live band, or I'm doing fireworks, or whatever it is. And so that's kind of an example. And so many people not familiar with this type of coverage, they become familiar with this type of coverage when and if they do some event like that. So I'll stop there, and then 
we can give an additional example, Sam, but that's kind of a thumbnail of what special event insurance looks like. No, that's 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 a that's a great description of it, Dan. And I know that I have been told too by the underwriters that, for example, you would normally insure, say, a nonprofit organization, and you know what they do. They provide services and Usually you would you would price that nonprofit based on people walking in the door and for liability purposes, you might cover them maybe for office supplies, for property. But then every so often they have some kind of an event to raise money for the organization. And that's not normally what you would price for in the normal course of insuring that nonprofit. So to those things, then you might want to look at that event and be able to price it accordingly, depending on what the event is, because it's it's not normally within the context of what that nonprofit would do. That's always been explained to me, too, as, as another example of what special events insurance would look like. And if you were, say, a purchaser, how would you make a decision to purchase special events insurance? And can, can consumers buy this insurance and be able to do it online? So to, to the first question about making a decision, as we've already kind of talked about, in many instances, it's really not a decision, it's a requirement, right? It's, it's almost like a tenant in a commercial building. Uh, first thing that the commercial landlord does before they'll even let you sign a lease is prove that you have adequate insurance for the types of operations you're doing. The biggest decision, like you said, is, is when, when it comes up all the time in nonprofits, right? They want to have a gambling night, they want to have a, a liquor, and again, like you said, at most nonprofits, you know, their normal operations, if you walk into United Way or Salvation Army or uh, Lawyers Lend a Hand or a Bar Foundation or any of these things or, or AICP or other places, you know, their day-to-day -day event doesn't include alcohol consumption. It doesn't include raffles or gambling or other types of one-offs from the normal course. And so oftentimes the purchaser has to make that decision that they're going to have this event, a parade or a food fest or whatever it is. And as part of that contract, whatever body they're contracting with, the uh, owner of that property, the, the venue, the, the municipality says, hey, we need this insurance. And then, you know, we'll get into it some more. But part of that process then is an application to ask about, you know, are there going to be pyrotechnics? Are there going to be alcohol served? Is there gambling? How many people are coming? Do you have security forces on site? Are they armed? What kind of check-ins are you doing? You know, how are you avoiding the crash in the gates? And can consumers buy this and do it online? There are carriers, I believe, Sam, and you can talk more to this than I can, uh, where the application and the processes can be completed online. The challenge, though, is going to be, depending on how the person that, that receives that application, depending on what they put in there or what information they have, there may be additional information, uh, like you said with the underwriters, where they get the application and they say, well, there's missing pieces, right? We don't have exact numbers. They didn't fill in this piece of the uh, application. So theoretically, and I've, I've had folks that have told me, look, I've, I've gone online, I've, I've completed this application and it works. But just with a, like a lot of business insurance and a lot of unique coverages that you might have uh, for life or, or personal needs as well, oftentimes it probably makes sense once you've completed that application to get some feedback and then have a call to kind of make sure that you've answered it appropriately and that all the information's there that can then be underwritten. That's a great idea, Dan, because I can, I can kind of think that you might purchase the insurance online and then maybe unfortunately realize later on that you're serving liquor and that's excluded. 
in the policy that you purchased, or there's something else that's excluded in that that coverage form um, that you needed to have for that event. So you're right; it's probably a good idea to have someone take a look at that and make sure that what you're being covered for is um, applicable to the event that that's happening. Uh, so I think that's a great idea. Can you think of any recent events where they probably purchased um, this type of insurance, Dan? Sure. You know, we're getting into the season now. But it's finally nice in most necks of the woods. You know, in Chicago, it's getting nice out. And so, again, going back to the permits for the Forest Preserve, those types of things are happening. We've got Memorial Day coming up and, and the 4th of July. And oftentimes in neighborhoods and communities, you'll have a need for trade Again, special event insurance, uh, if you're having barbecue at the end of the parade, you know, again, blockage of the streets, are the police involved? So some of those are probably where we're going to see some of this insurance. And then, you know, in preparation for this, Sam, we talked some about concerts and, you know, some venues are smaller, some are bigger. You know, a place like United Center in Chicago where they have regular concerts or Wrigley Field, uh, even Wrigley Field where they have concerts at night, you know, and on weekends when, when the Cubs aren't in town. Those facilities are probably going to insist upon the band having special events insurance, again, because of the possibility that people get, you know, reckless with drinking, pyrotechnics coming from the stage and other things. So as we get into that season, we're probably going to see a lot of recent events where the insurance was purchased. And, you know, one of the things that I think probably through the pandemic that is now coming up again and, and, and starting to ramp up again is the fact that we're having live events again. We haven't had those, you know, for two years during COVID. And so my guess would be that companies like yours are probably seeing an uptick in special events insurance because there's actually planning of these events again. And, you know, a, a good example for AICP listeners would be that, you know, our event each year, we hold an annual conference. We have E-days and, and other things. And oftentimes the venues there Again, they require that we have some kind of special events insurance to take place, again, because, you know, hundreds of people are swarming into a, a location and the hotel doesn't want to be responsible for, again, somebody tripping and falling on our wiring, somebody getting injured or, you know, from some of the events that take place there. Good point. Thinking of special events, just it seems to be very popular now, much more popular than it was so many years ago. What kind of risks do you think are being insured today by special events that nobody would have thought to purchase that 20 years ago? You know, one of the things that, that is uh, in some ways shocking, I got married 30-something plus years ago. We didn't have to have special events insurance that I, to my knowledge, if we did. But, but weddings, we're starting to see a lot of that. And probably that may be in, in small or large part due to some of the shows, Bridezilla and some of the other shows on TV, maybe. And some of the stories you hear about weddings getting out of control, right? They've gone wild and people, uh, again, partying and doing things and damaging the, the facilities, damaging, you know, the reception venues. So so we're seeing it there uh, more and more, especially for the halls that people are renting. So that's the the one area where I've, I've, I've really seen it. But, I, you know, I think there's probably a lot of things probably more informal. You know, I'm thinking about uh, like like the scout troop where my boys both became Eagle Scouts. They have a pancake breakfast, and it's on the facility of the church that sponsors them. But I think in recent years, again, as they do those types of events, you know, because of, again, the exposures and things that have happened, I think more and more even in, in those like community events that 
probably in the past, nobody was thinking, hey, we better have special events coverage for this event. Now, more and more, you know, friends of mine that, you know, are involved with different things will call me and say, hey, we got this uh, request. Do you know anything about this? And how do we go even about finding the coverage? And so it's interesting, like you said, in the last 20 years, it seems to have really expanded from the parades and kind of the, the forest preserve type of thing to almost any event that anybody's having at any venue. Good point. I, I was actually uh, online a couple of weeks ago, just poking around just to see what might be out there and happened to, to log on to a special event site. And some of the things that came down were things like bridal showers and, as you say, wedding events and things that nobody would have thought of years ago to, to get insurance for. But as you mentioned, a lot of those places now where you rent out, they want you to have insurance. They want you to buy it as opposed to putting out their own or exposing their own insurance to something that might happen at that event. So what would happen is they ask you to buy the insurance for the event that you're having there, and then their own insurance may come in as possibly excess over it. And sometimes they'll, they'll even tell you how much insurance they want you to buy, what the limit of liability is. So you have to also pay attention to that. And they'll want some kind of proof that you actually purchased it for the day that, uh, that you're having or days that you're having the event. It's kind of interesting to see all that. I, I even talk to people now that sometimes that they have a, a big party, like people will have parties at their houses for graduation, things of that nature. They may want to buy insurance for the same reason. They don't want to expose their own homeowner's insurance to something that might happen at this unique event that you know they normally don't have, but that happen to have because somebody in the family is now graduating and they want to have a huge party to celebrate. It, it, it is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's probably a good idea, right? Because again, their homeowners uh, might not cover it. A lot of first party coverage and homeowners, and, and again, even with an umbrella and things, yeah, like, like you said. And again, 20 years ago, you know, just like you see a lot of memes about when we were kids and, you know, Everybody ate dirt and all that stuff. It's kind of the same type of thing, right? Is that, that right. No, nobody, you know, 20 years ago, nobody was having a party at their house and, and, and thinking about these things. That, the other thing that comes to mind is is that used to be birthday parties and stuff for kids was, was in your house. And, look, you know, you have 10 of your friends over. And now you see, you know, these things where, again, people do these uh, excursions. They go to castles or they go to some thing and have big events, you know, and semi-private or whatnot. And so again, it just, I think this is probably one of those areas in insurance that really is a growth area for insurance companies that are experts at doing this. Yeah, no question. And uh, I, I think of the coverages too, that you would normally get under special events. And I know that liability coverage is obviously the biggie, the reason why most people buy it to cover potential trips and falls, as you mentioned, or somebody getting hurt by something else, maybe a fight breaks out, who knows what the situation might be. But I've also seen where sometimes they also ask for what you might call in the marine insurance to cover equipment that you're taking onto the site. If you're having a concert, covering the equipment that's there or whatever the situation might be. So, you know, Sometimes you have to bring your own equipment. I know that what's popular now with weddings seems to be uh, renting a off the wall kind of uh, location and having the wedding there where you're required to bring in your own tables, your own chairs, things of that nature. And, you know, sometimes the rental company may want you to get your own insurance to cover the damage, potential damage that might happen to that. So I, I've seen that uh, also be requested sometimes with insurance. Have you seen anything like that in the events that you've looked at? 
I have. I have. And one good example, again, at weddings and, and things is that the DJ process has kind of changed. But the folks that are performing at these functions, if they're a DJ, again, like you said, their equipment's very expensive, even if they're using iPads and whatever they're using for the music. Sometimes you have big bands there with, with their equipment and their speaker systems. So you do see a lot of that and a lot of concerts. Again, most of those bands, even even big bands like the Rolling Stones, right? They have a couple of 18-wheelers and they, you know, cart their equipment and God forbid that, you know, something happens at the location and the, the equipment either fails or gets stolen or, or whatever the case may be uh, or, or does damage, very expensive stuff. And so I do see a lot of that. The other area you see it is that a lot of these events, again, you have food service and you have other things. And so there is the typical special events insurance doesn't necessarily cover contamination and things, but there is a contamination endorsement. And sometimes in some of the policies, you can buy contamination again so that, you know, God forbid that there's something with the meat or, or with the dairy products or whatever's being served at the thing, that something happens that causes, you know, people to get sick or whatever. I've seen that add-on coverage as well. And again, a lot of these galas and things, you know, like you said, the weddings nowadays and other events, people want exotic locations. They're not necessarily doing the ballrooms at the hotels like in the past. And so in those venues where they don't have any of this stuff, you know, you got to cart all that stuff in, including food, including beverage, including equipment. And so those are some of the additional coverages you can get under special events insurance. I know one of the things too that uh... I often get asked is what do the underwriters look at when you know they're they're looking to insure the event or price the event and one of the big things they told me is whether or not the organizer of the event has done it before or this is the first time they're doing it because I think the big question when they're doing it for the first time is do they really have the experience they know what could go wrong whereas if they've done it in the past more than likely they've already met whatever the problems they would have had in the past They would have uh, this time thought about that to make sure that that wouldn't be an issue this time around, whether, as you say, you need more security because that might be a problem. Just just giving you an example, uh, every year, one of the religious organizations where I live at has a, a festival, and it's a huge festival. They have food, they have beer gardens, they have rides, amusement rides. Uh, and, and I'm talking about major rides, not just little rides, but they've been doing it for years and years and years. So they pretty much know what could potentially happen. And then as an underwriter, I think you feel a little more comfortable with that. Whereas if they were doing it for the first time, you, you'd have to wonder, all right, who's bringing in the rides? Who's working the rides? You know, who, who's handling the beer garden? Have those people been trained on recognizing when somebody might have had too much to drink? All those kinds of things that might flow through. And that could also impact how the event is priced, depending on what's going on. I know one of the big things they always look at is the liquor. They look at, as you mentioned, pyrotechnics. Are they putting off fireworks? That seems to be really popular now with a lot of events that you see. I mean, I've been to weddings where they've actually set off fireworks. So that's also, you know, a big question. Who's handling the fireworks? You know, where are they getting it from? Do those folks have their own insurance? And I think all those things are what the underwriters look at. I don't know if you've had any experience with anything else besides that. Like you said, I think if you've done it before, and the reason for that, as you said, is that the experience and you just don't know what you don't know about events, even even a simple parade or uh, any of these events. And so I think that is an important factor about uh, knowledge and experience. And, you know, you mentioned carnivals and, and things. I mean, that's one of those areas where 
if you do, you know, Google during the summer carnivals and, and injuries and things, you know, and again, folks that have done it year after year, like you said, that, that use the same company, you know, the traveling company, that company knows what they're doing in, in terms of making sure the bolts are tight and all the stuff is secured down. But some of these, you know, some, some of these carnivals, again, you, you read about the injuries that occur, uh, sometimes the workers. And so that is an important consideration. And that is what I've seen. And, and you know, several years ago, and I can't remember, I may have been in house still at the time, we were doing some insurance of some carnivals and, and you know, trying to, the underwriters were, were pulling their hair out literally because trying to assess the risk and, and price it was was very difficult you know in terms of limits in terms of what the deductibles would be and so that those are important factors like you said you know a security as anybody checking for the bags that come into a location those types of things are important because like anything the insurance is all about assessing the risk and pricing it collectively so that everybody can get insurance at a decent price for the risk involved and again the underwriters trying to figure that out, it's very important for them. Again, is there security? Is it armed security? Are, are people, you know, being checked their bags so that they can't bring in firearms or other things to the event? All goes into the more likelihood of, of something happening that could trigger coverage. And, and as you mentioned, a lot of these events are very unique in nature. So from a, a company standpoint, sometimes you can't put a rote price in or a road coverage in because what you might build may not be applicable to the event. So sometimes you'll find companies writing it admitted if it's something they can do and, and they have a lot of confidence that, that the event that they can pretty much put it into a, a box, so to speak, and be able to price it and underwrite it pretty easily and quickly. But then there are other events where they have to pull that out and write it as surplus lines because the event is so unique and so different. They can't get, a lot of companies won't touch it. They may have to go to surplus lines just to get coverage for it, especially if there's been a problem in the past with the event and they still want to do it again, you may have to go into surplus lines. And I know some states even recognize that and allow that to be put on what's called the export list in surplus lines, which means you don't have to go out and get uh, three declinations that you normally would need to get in surplus lines because they recognize that there may be events that are so unique that a lot of companies just won't touch it. And you may have to go to a, a different company just to get coverage for it. I think that's absolutely right. And yeah, like you said, some some companies, and, and, and I, I think that the ones that are doing admitted, it's more kind of the garden variety types of things where, again, it's done over and over again. And there's kind of a, you know, there's an actuarial kind of pool of, of what's happened and, and those are risks. But to your point, you know, a lot of these like weddings, for example, you know, most, most people are only doing it once. And so, again, kind of on a size and things that may be on a surplus lines basis. Uh, the other thing about surplus lines that can be beneficial, as we both know, is that policy wording can be different. And as you as you mentioned, a lot of states recognize that some of these unique types of events don't really fit into a, a nice admitted form and, and admitted type of coverage. And so they put them on the export list. And it probably makes sense because, again, concerts and some of these other things that we're talking about are, are not, you know, they're, they're, they're all different in some way just because of, you know, you and I, in, in preparation for this, you know, the horrific thing that happened in Vegas at the at the country festival. Again, how can you really predict that on an admitted line basis or even a surplus lines basis for that matter? Those, those types of tragic events, but a lot of these events are unique, and so surplus lines seems to be the way to go for many of them. Good point. Anything else, Dan? 
to mention about this this unique type of insurance? No, I find this to be a fascinating area because it's kind of interesting, the underlying facts a lot of times with a lot of insurance company variety. These types of things kind of, to me, when I have folks calling or asking questions about it, is an interesting arena. And for those students that are listening and others, hopefully we've piqued your interest and you'll take another deeper dive at special event insurance coverage. That's good. Thank you, Dan. And thank you to everyone listening uh, to this podcast and have a great rest of the day.